Hello Rainbow Souls, welcome to the Cosmic Heart Conversation podcast where you're joined with me, Georgie Dragonfly and many divine loving souls that are expressing their true and authentic self in this now moment to bring to you information of their spiritual journey, light language and their innate ability to commune with the divine and nature and how this is all intertwined as one. In this moment, take a breath, connect all of our hearts together with this divine transmission. Hello, this is Georgie Dragonfly, Cosmic Heart Conversations, and we're now here with Damien Knoll to talk about his beautiful journey and all of his light language and his beautiful artwork. He's now going to introduce himself. Welcome, Damien. Hi, Georgie. Beautiful to be here with you. Thank you for inviting me. So in the most simplistic terms, I would consider myself and what I offer as being a witch. What do I mean by that? I mean, there's obviously people are going to have lots of various different ideas, concepts around what the word witch refers to. If we look at the etymology of the word from the Old English, it relates to the word Wicca, which I'm sure many people are familiar in terms of the neo-pagan uh, spiritual religious movement. So if we think of wicca in terms of wicca baskets, mm-hmm. so wicca means to weave. And it then from the proto-Indo-European, which is the root language, we understand the word wiki to be rooted in the word why? And that relates again to this concept or idea of weaving and to magic, what it is to weave, what it is to work with the weave of life. And then looking, tracing that into the uh, Buddhist tradition and esoteric Buddhism and Tantra. We have Tantra meaning the weave or the loom. And we have what are known as the Dakini, who are the female wisdom keepers. 
Um, they're also known as sky dancers. So if you think of witches flying on brooms, that's that relationship. Also, also if we look at the, again, at the etymology of the word witch and tracing it to wiki, wicca, why. There's a deep religion, relationship, not religion. <laughs> what I'm, looking for. I'm thinking of wicca in terms of the religion, which is why I'm saying religion, relationship with wisdom. And in the, so wiki is also translated to wise one as well. So witches are seen to be keepers of wisdom. In the uh, esoteric Buddhist tradition or tantra, wisdom is seen as the feminine principle or mother. It's really not feminine, but because it's seen as being the source of enlightenment, it's associated with the mother by the feminine principle, but really encapsulates both the masculine and feminine and transcends them. But for the sake of this conversation, we'll call it mother or the feminine principle. And so within relationship to that, we can see a witch as a wisdom keeper. And wisdom really being that which relates to a clear seeing of reality, a clear seeing of life. And the masculine aspect of that being compassion. And those two coming into harmony with one another really being what relates to our dharma or the focus of our purpose within the world. So in, we could call it, uh, I suppose, new age spirituality, better terminology, that would really equate to the threefold flame of the heart. So love, light, and power, wisdom, compassion, and power or right action. So a witch, from my understanding, is really somebody that is focused upon that deep relationship with what it is to express wisdom within the world and to marry that with that principle of compassion within the world. And when we think of wisdom, we can think of that from one sense, we can think of it in terms of knowledge, but it's not knowledge. Knowledge is that which is learnt. Knowledge is that which is really coming through the mind. And wisdom is that which is deeper than mind. It's really that relationship with mystery. And so knowledge is anything that we can know or we can learn, and thereby is subject to mind and conditioning and belief, concept, etc., etc. Whereas wisdom is something that, as it's not rooted in knowledge, or it's not rooted in mind, it's not rooted ultimately in duality. It's uh, rooted in a deep relationship with the mystery of life. And witches are really those who live within the mystery and have that deep relationship with mystery is another word for the divine. And uh, what else to say around that? Yeah, I think that's sort of summed it up. Um, we can obviously discuss that more if you so wish. And I yeah. wanted to give a sort of briefish, <laughs> as it were, explanation of uh, 
okay. the nature of my path, how I see myself, and mm. um, I offer it. Yeah, and owning that status because it has been um, even in a in a community that probably would personally probably see themselves as or would hold the archetype archetype of a witch wouldn't want to be called a witch because of you know the many different experiences that people may have had in other lifetimes and the connotations that it does have now as well so it's really beautiful that you've brought that to the table the the, the real truth um explanation of, of where it really comes from the root of the word and the meaning and the definition of, of that uh, experience that you are taking on as your own as your as your being you're standing in that and i really honor that and thankful to hear you uh, yeah your i am <laughs> so where have you started from to become so embodied as the witch and to accept who you truly are where did it all begin <laughs> so i grew up in london where the school that i went to taught sanskrit philosophy meditation and so i've always really had an interest in such through that mm -hmm. and then when i was around around i would be about 12 or 13 I had a near-death experience and that really sort of blew everything open in a huge way and was very, very out of body for many, many a good year and deeply connected to spirit and that state of being out of body created a some type of, I suppose you'd call it kind of high dimensional bridging out and had many many experiences of as you call them multi-dimensional dimensional beings visitations and that led me then into my early 20s journeying through egypt and india as well and sitting with various different teachers and traveling through the temple system there and uh, learning a, a lot around those cultures and their understanding of the nature of awakening embodiment and nature of multi-dimensionality and healing and then that moved into my 30s and much more process of coming into the body and so i studied uh, Tibetan medicine, Chinese medicine, another various different forms of body-based psychotherapeutic type practice as well. Um, just to really you know, help the body to integrate and ground. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was so much from my journey sort of through my teens and 20s, as I said, was very much that all sort of movement. <laughs> and uh, you know, a lot of just avoidance of the body and what was sitting in the body and, and uh through the 30s it's like okay coming back into the body and really that appreciation of awakening as that journey of 
in what it is to really deepen into presence. And a lot of my experiences through my teens, 20s, whilst very beautiful, were very much more what I would term as being very deeply expanded ego states uh, of sort of moving into oneness. And oneness is lovely, <laughs> a really beautiful experience and very blissful. But um, the, I suppose, the clue comes in terms of the language that one uses. Um, like people will talk about being in a very expanded state of consciousness, for example. Um, whereas when there is a genuine awakening from how I understand and experience it myself, it's much more that sense of self is no longer there. And so that usual sense of us as ego is, is gone. You know, whereas in oneness, that's still there. You know, even there's a sense of someone that is one with everything. Yeah. And so that process through my thirties and into my forties now um, has been much more that sort of process of deepening within that. Um, which is really, you know, I suppose, a process of going inwards in that sense. Um, that process of, you know, expanded could be seen as more sort of a process of out, 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 out. Um, and in some cases, there can be a lot of dissociation within that as well, because um, it's, you know, it's nice to hang out in those higher dimensions and yeah. not necessarily feel what's going on here. As it were. Um, How would you but, compare? Because you were sort of talking a minute ago as well, I quite like that, um, of explanation of, of determining determining where you were. So you learnt that through, like, did, was there something that t turned in you to make you go, oh, I need to start, um, you know, looking at my body and, and going into the more like herbal medicine side of things? What was it that really helped you determine that? Because there could be people potentially listening that think, oh, yeah. I'm in this oneness, I'm in the oneness, and it, they've hit it, they've got it. Mm. So how do we bring that back? Yeah, for myself, you know, it was really from the understanding of, sorry, I forget who originally actually said it, um, it might have been Papaji or Ramana, um, maybe, or even this quick data, um, someone of that nature. Okay. Something along the lines of saying, you know, for every going, there is a return. Yeah. And so if you think of it in terms of like a rubber band, for example, you know, you stretch it far out enough and it's gonna go yeah. completely the other way. Um, and, you know, there is really no, escaping reality mm. you know, the other day we can try as, as much as we like but there's no escaping reality and so you know, that process of out 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 was beautiful and part of my past process on my path and as i said it created a certain type of energetic bridging and certain development of the nervous system uh, which allows me to do the work that i do now yeah. and to have an understanding of the nature of that bridging 
and our multidimensionality and how that's all sort of set up within the system. Um, but, you know, for me, it was still the understanding of, you know, however far I went out, that stuff was still there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we can, we can go out, 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 and out, but eventually we have to come back. Yeah. I suppose it's the lesson was in that, that, and that's something that you just had to experience and potentially other people just, and yeah. it's that knowing that you will, like the elastic band, you'll come back. <laughs> Good, nice. So, um, when, so what was it that you were feeling that was calling you back? Is this just human things, egoic stuff that you needed to address? I think on, on one level it was, yeah, like the stuff of life that needed to be addressed mm -hmm. and on another I think it was this deep actual desire for the truth yeah. and for God and for awakening yeah. and that's originally you know what motivated me to go out, out, out and out because it was like not really enjoying it here Let's go out, 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 and you know, hide in God, which we do. Then we hide in higher dimensional states of consciousness and avoid. And you know, the ego is going to use whatever it can to avoid what is here, mm. um, even if that looks like some very elevated, very expanded egoic consciousness state. And so. You know, the divine went, okay, you've done that long enough. Played that. No. Um, and so I think it was a combination of both in that sense, you know, a deep desire for truth and a prayer for that, um, as well as, you know, the maturity to actually turn around and go, okay, I'm going to face this. Because um, it takes deep maturity to actually, you know, admit, okay, and be present with what is here. Mm. You know, it's it's a lot easier to sit in that expanded state. Yeah. And avoid it. Mm. And not feel it. And when we're in that very expanded sort of state of consciousness, it it can feel like that stuff is not there. Yeah. And we was and we resolved it all. <laughs> it's like nah, it's still out. Mm -hmm. It's just that, that you're out here. <laughs> so um with that, so we're coming into this state. So what was your what was your journey with also light language? Did that come in during that time then when you was that expanded? Is that the time that it really probably would have been about 17 or 18 when it first started to come through and when it first started to come through my my understanding of it was a lot more kind of rooted in so seeing it as a kind of channeled type language and people now will will talk about light language in terms of like palladian or syrian for example and various different streams of in which that language can present itself. 
And for myself, in my teens, 20s, it was a lot more of that type of experience. And really tapping into, I suppose, what you would call cosmic or galactic, the streams of consciousness um, and beings and uh, communicating on that type of level. Whereas now it's evolved much more into just this sense of light language as really being that focus of really just the authentic heart expression and how we speak from, from that space. Um, whilst there's still appreciation of you know, those other streams and how we can tap into those and levels of consciousness and how they create certain shifts within this subtle energetic system also. Um, so my, my introduction of it was really through a friend who was speaking it also, um, who I knew through uh, just, probably just finished college, maybe college, university, that sort of period. Well, you know, you had that journey. So, you know, at that age, I'm really, you know, quite impressed. Yeah, and I think I like that you've also been, because um, you did learn Sanskrit and something that I've always mentioned is that I feel that these ancient languages, we could even call them light language. Um, so I'd love to know your thoughts on that, but, you know, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the understanding is, in terms of Sanskrit and mantra is that the sages would have sat and basically listened to the sounds of the universe. And that's how they formulated mantra and these languages. So in many respects, yes, we would see them as, as light language. Um, and certainly I'm aware for myself and many of my friends, when they speak light language, there are certain we call them dialects that sound very Tibetan or Hebrew. Um, and whether people are you know, tapping into past life memory there or tapping into you know, something that is sitting in the genetics in terms of ancestral memory, who knows yeah. in that respect. Um, but certainly, you know, I have friends who speak Tibetan and I have friends that speak Sanskrit and uh, I have friends that speak you know, old Icelandic, and when I'm speaking light language, I'm like, you do know what you've just said? I'm like, no, I have no idea whatsoever. <laughs> uh, and they share that, you know, certain phrases that they can hear. And, um, so, you know, who ultimately understands the mystery of how that all works? Yeah. But, um, you know, as I said, we can look at it, maybe we're tapping into something from a past life level or maybe we're just tapping into that in consciousness you know, mm. through the collective field mm. in that sense um i prefer to you know look at it from the perspective of being in the mystery of it you know, rather than saying it's this this that yeah. or the other mm. um, you know, because whilst it can be useful to you know have an understanding of these things and it gives us a certain framework and structure to work through we can have an understanding of you know if i say a certain something in like language it's going to have this effect um, it's also beautiful to be in the mystery of that 
and they're not knowing of that. Mm -hmm. It's quite multifaceted, isn't it? Yeah. But it's really, you know, we, and again, like what we don't know, what we're truly tapping into because there is, it's, it's vast. Um, so yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. You see, so you, you know, because you probably hear some of that yourself when if you ever tune into hearing someone speaking, and then you've even got friends that are are confirming that. Um, so that's really good confirmation that yeah it's just it's it's coming from the heart and then it's whatever field your heart i suppose is potentially resonating as a potential <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so when you were in um college and you were introduced to it with a friend was this more like of a an initiation into it for you um yeah, I suppose one could look at it like that. Um, like in even in college, I was like I was doing tarot for people and Reiki and all of that sort of type of stuff. So I had an interest within this, and um, many of my friends at college you know, also had an interest in healing and crystal healing and Reiki and that sort of type of stuff. So we would hang out, you know, swap sessions, do readings for one another. Um, and as I said, my friend was speaking out and had had a very powerful um, Kundalini awakening um, for the year prior to such, um, where for around about six months was also in a very, very deeply expanded sort of state of oneness, um, where the sense of um, the sense of ego is still there, but because it's you know, so expanded, it's very, very thin in a certain way. And um, you know, sitting with her, definitely, you when know, you sit with somebody like that, there's a sort of energetic resonance that occurs within the, within the field. And um, yeah, so I suppose you could see it as kind of like initiation or achievement in that sense, um, in terms of, you know, just aligning whatever within my own system was resonant with that and uh, something went okay I recognize that switched on um, not in any sense of her you know formally doing anything um, in terms of okay I'm going to initiate you into light language or whatever the case may be um, and I find that's you know much more often really where the magic happens you know, nice spaces where we're not, shall we say, planning to do something. Not that there isn't a place for that. You know, it can be beautiful to actually, you know, say, will you initiate me into, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and absolutely magic happens in those spaces as well for our focus of intention and you know, alignment with the divine. Um, but, you know, those places where the divine sort of goes, <laughs> where we're least expecting it um, for myself at least have been the most powerful moments mm. uh, beyond anything that I would consciously shall we say intend to do myself yeah yeah so it, it was a really nice just flow and it was meant to be you can even say divinely orchestrated <laughs> um, and um, with that did you ever experience any like moments of doubt 
um, throughout this this journey of you know this sound is coming out of my mouth these dialects are there moments of where is it coming from what is it you know and then where do we come back into you know the stillness within ourselves to remember okay we're we're all good <laughs> we're sane because <laughs> i know there'll be def there's definitely people out there that will go through that a person you know so yeah for myself within my own experience not really because this sort of stuff has just always been so kind of natural to me that um for a long time it was actually very strange that people didn't experience it conversely so it's like really oh, okay um and again i think that was very much part of my my sort of process of coming in as it were um but yes absolutely i i have many people who I've worked with since who have very similar experiences to what you just described in that sense. And, you know, I explain it in terms of, as we just touched upon, you know, it's really just to approach it from that perspective of being in the mystery of it and seeing it actually just as something that you're playing with mm. and having fun with. And because when we become too, shall we say, sort of logical or mindy around it, and our mind kicks in and it's, the mind's going to run away with whatever story it's going to run away with. Um, and, you know, it can come up with all sorts of types of craziness. And so it's like going, okay, that's an interesting thought to be having. But what if we approach it, you know, just with an attitude of, Actually, I don't know. And I'm just having fun with this. Yeah. Mm. A lot of people come to me and they're like, but it sounds like completely gobbledygook. And I'm like, yeah, it sounds like complete gobbledygook. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. And what does that mean? Mm. You know, we can, we can describe all sorts of meaning to that with, with this. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. like, yeah, the, real, the reality of it is it simply sounds like gobbledygook. Yeah. yeah, that is the reality. But then we make that mean, da, 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 da. we make, oh, I'm just making it up. Or it sounds like I'm crazy or whatever the case may be. Yeah. It's like, well, no, actually, you know, have fun with it. Yeah. Actually check out what is your direct experience of it in this moment mm. yeah and if we approach it with an attitude of fun we're also approaching it with an attitude of openness mm. and an attitude of you know it doesn't matter yeah you know a child doesn't play because it matters or there's some sort of i'm doing it right or wrong or whatever the case may be it's just enjoying itself yeah, definitely. You know, we look at the nature of life. You know, we see life as divine play. Um, in that sense. Yeah. And opening into that really opens us into innocence as well. And a deep appreciation of beauty. Also. Um, but, you know, that requires a depth of surrender. 
and Cyrandolisty also requires trust as well. Um, and so, you know, our, our exploration of the language of light can also be an exploration of that. You know, what is it to really open into a deeper appreciation of surrender, of heart, of beauty, of play? And um, then rather than light language just being something that we're you know, speaking, as it were, you know, what does our actual exploration of it deepen us into? How we approach it, how we open to it. Um, and for myself, it was very much my sort of beginning journey of it was much more that sort of academic, mind based, sort of like I want to understand what I'm saying here, what I'm doing. And that's beautiful from one perspective because we have an appreciation through that of, okay. Yeah, if I sit with this and I say this, this happens in consciousness and this happens in the energy system. And... Um, but if we get caught up in that, you know, we're missing the magic of it and it becomes very robotic mm. in a certain sense. Yeah. Um, and so it relates back to what I, you know, was touching upon earlier in terms of that masculine and feminine type flow where we have that feminine wisdom type flow which is coming in beyond mind mm. um, where we're just opening into you know our direct experience of what is here in the moment and then you know, that masculine aspect um, of compassion you know where we're welcoming that mm. lovingly and compassionately and there is no right or wrong it's like we just get to play and explore and be present with it. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say to you know, people who are perhaps are you know, just entering into an exploration of the language of light or the people who have been speaking it for many, many years, even. They're ready to approach it with a um, beginner's mind in that sense. You know, how, no matter how experienced we may think that we are. I mean, I'm learning new things every day around it. And um, my experience of it is different moment to moment. Yeah, we're constantly shifting our perception. And, you know, as we, you know, evolve within, how we wish to express does also change. And, you know, we, we talking about it as if it's just a, a language that's spoken through the mouth, but we also know that, you know, even for yourself, you know, the artwork, movement, and probably many other that ways that we could express, you know, and my own perception, yeah, it is, is quite similar, just this innate um, beingness and just expressing yourself, you know, really freely and not having those constructs because um, I know that we have this tendency to sort of look at the inner child to, to try and resurface some of that essence and it's like it's not necessarily the child this is my own anyway perception it's like it's that that was very natural at that childlike age to express and then that's what we're really trying to resurface but you know it and then for yourself 
I imagine that that just never um, was lost. You you enabled that spark to always be there in the forefront and lead lead the way. Perhaps that's where I've received from that. Yeah, I would I would think so. Um, you know, as I was saying previously, all of this type of stuff. <laughs> Once we've got a word, I don't know what else to call it, um, has always felt just very, very natural. Um, for myself, it's been more, much more so the, shall we say, the kind of like human stuff of, of life that has been challenging. And really the understanding of how do we bring light language to that? How does that really support us to, to show up here? Yeah. Um, because a lot of the, my sort of beginning journey to discover light language was really a sense of wanting to escape that. Mm. I'm just going, I don't want to be here. And up and out. And uh, it was much more comfortable for me like, through my teens, early 20s, really to hang out in that sort of very expanded. Um, organic state of consciousness um, and, and that sort of experience of oneness and there's a lot of light there and a, a lot of love so it's um, you know a beautiful space to to sit within but it's not very practical in terms of everyday life um, and you know ultimately it's not really transformational it's, um, it's transcendence or escapism in a sense and so that whole process of you know, what really is the practical application of light language and how do we really bring that into a grounded focus of presence within life and for myself it was i say really coming into that attitude of deep playfulness and that space of coming into innocence, like you were touching upon in terms of you know, the inner child and how it's natural for the inner child to express from that place. We can really see the inner child or the divine child as that quality of innocence. Mm -hmm. And innocence is not naivety. Innocence is really that place where we are, um, unharmed as it were in that place where before we learned in the necessity to protect or to mask ourselves or to leave or transcend you know in that space of innocence we're we're just safe to be here mm. there is no necessity to mask and so we can be authentic mm -hmm. which is really what i see as the expression of the language of light it's that authentic expression of our of our being or innocence with one another, um, you know, without masking or manipulating or seducing or all of the stuff that we do, uh, because fundamentally we don't feel safe, yeah. rooted in our experience of a fundamental sense of separation from our essence. And so, again, for myself, really that process of aligning with the language of light can also really be seen as a process of aligning with our essence 
really a process of healing that original wound, which is really that loss of our original innocence, which we see in the Western literary tradition through the sense of Eden and Adam and Eve and the apple and coming into self-knowledge. And again, coming back to that sense of self-knowledge, knowledge is that which is learned, the mind. It's that sense of our first coming into our sense of I am. And everything that evolves from that. Yeah. We, we first of all need a I am to then have a I am my story of. And awakening is really that whole deconstruction of that sense of egoic sense of art. Mm. And then what you know emerges as the as true identity. Yeah. Which is something it is an experience in itself, isn't it? To truly understand. Mm. <laughs> Everybody just sink that in. <laughs> I am. <laughs> And with this, you've, you have developed this ability to create such divine artwork. I mean, you are playing um, and what, with the play that you are creating for service for others. Um, you know, how did you come about into that? In, how did this surface from all that you were doing as, uh, throughout your teens? I imagine that it didn't just become so, as I briefly mentioned, uh, in my early 20s, I went up to Egypt. Mm -hmm. um, so I was doing tours, there, basically taking people through the temple system. And that was really the beginning of my, shall we say, sort of working type life. And offering healing and sessions and Reiki and all that sort of type of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I've been doing that for, gosh, maybe 20 odd years now. And that's obviously evolved and deepened over the years. And the artwork they started, must be about 10 or so years ago mm -hmm. now. Um, you'll surely appreciate from what I've briefly spoken about how I have an interest in. Tantra and Tibetan Buddhism, and uh, there's obviously a deep relationship through Tantra with mandalas and yantras and sacred art, also. And so I, I just took up the pen and I love to draw. So started sketching and doodling away. And, uh, you know, over the years, that's just developed into what I offer today. Yeah. in that sense and uh, really an understanding of how art is a doorway into that deep appreciation of, of beauty and beauty as a inherent quality of, of innocence and how it is that we can't really truly appreciate beauty unless we are in that space of innocence and open-heartedness you know we can appreciate beauty conceptually, for sure, uh, through the framework of the mind. Mm. 
but to really drop into a, a deep appreciation of beauty where you know the mind stops and something just goes it's completely different um, and so the, the nature of my exploration with with art has really been an exploration of that also in terms of how is it that art really communicates beauty and be that in terms of the visual art paintings or light language in terms of singing or movement based it's really a, a, an expression of how divinity is expressing through form as beauty and how that deepens into us into that space of innocence and open-heartedness and and intimacy and connection with life and uh so all of the artwork you know whatever form it presents itself in at its core really has that uh, i suppose we could call it transmission or essence um there's obviously lots and lots of different ways in which art can express itself and paintings can express themselves um, and how they communicate that um, just as there are many many various different spiritual teachings out there but you know in their essence they're all communicating the same thing they're really communicating that invitation into an embodied awakening an expression of our essence through form Mm. yeah yeah because there was something that we spoke about actually before we started and i i thought that was so interesting how we, how you're speaking about them being you know keys and doorways um so you know, if you wanted to elaborate on that sure so we can think of a lot of people will call uh, the art codes, for example. And for myself, the art is not the actual code in, the, in and of itself. It's, uh, as we said, a key or a doorway into connection with that. And so you can think of the code as itself as being that which really sits as our essence. And the art is just a pictorial representation of that. It's something that we're using to assist us to tune into that. Yeah. And so uh, there's like the famous saying, uh, gosh, it's a famous saying, I'm going to forget what it is. It's the one about the, uh, the finger pointing at the moon, which I'm sure you've heard of. Um, or the moon reflected in water, something okay. along those lines. Yeah. Um, sorry, it's, it's gone from my brain now, even though it's famous say, but I'll, I'll articulate it as well as I'm able to. Um, so it's something along the lines of like not um, mistaking the finger pointing at the moon for the moon itself, in yeah. that sense. And so, you know, not mistaking our our experience of enlightenment mm. for what enlightenment actually is mm. not mistaking the 
the art or the code for you know, what the actual code is mm. in reality. Mm. And so and when we go and visit an art gallery, for example, and we can look at the picture or the code, but what is it that that really actually evokes mm. within us as mm. the response? Yeah. And if we follow that, that's where we actually really connect with the essence of the code yeah. rather than just the picture yeah. itself. You know, we can look at the picture on a very surface type level and we're just like, oh, it's just a nice, pretty picture. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> or we can look at it, connect with it, open to it through our heart and drop deeper and deeper and deeper into that. Mm. And that's really why we opened into the essence of the of the code itself. Um, and of course, you know, the picture is a vehicle for that. So it has its absolutely it has its purpose and its place within that. Um, and whilst it's not necessary that we even have that vehicle, you know, if we're attuned enough, we can just drop straight in. It's useful to have the vehicle in that sense. Mm. Um, you know, like it's very useful to have a spiritual teacher on the path to support us yeah. because there's all sorts of ways in which we can get lost <laughs> down the path, all sorts of side routes that we can go down. Um, so a spiritual teacher or guru that's walked the path and completed is very useful mm. in that sense. Um, just as code is. You know, we can consider it as being a guide also in a way that's achieving yeah. us into that appreciation of beauty mm -hmm. and openness and what's actually being transmitted through the code because there is a you know, transmission of the essence of the uh, consciousness of whoever has produced yeah. that code also yeah. in that sense. And, uh, you know, if who has produced that code is deeply aligned enough with you know, awake space and they're drawing it from that space, you know, there's that transmission of awakeness that comes through that which doesn't have any of their personality or egoic consciousness or stuff in it. Um, whereas there is certainly art out there that has a lot of that in it also, which is you know, fine, it's, it's another expression of the divine and life. Mm. It's, you know, what do you want to connect with? Yeah. Some people love rock music and they want to connect with that. Yeah. Uh, other people, it's, I want to connect with a white space. Mm. Yeah. yeah, music is a instrument of taking you into certain consciousness as well. <laughs> I've certainly experienced the different vibrations of that. And, you know, we can go back again to those ancient teachings with what you said about mandalas, you know, and tankers, it, it, it's a meditative practice. So yeah, I, there's this, you know, just looking at stuff, you know, scrolling through your, you know, Facebook or Instagram feeds, you go, oh yeah, I'll take that in. And then you just let it go on. It kind of takes the, the depth and the, the sacredness that you could truly receive from really sitting with it in a sacred space. And um, there's definitely, 
there's definitely volumes of energy that we can receive from the keys <laughs> depending how we uh, sit with them and play with them <laughs> yeah yeah truly beautiful um so i'm wondering if you feel called to share a transmission that will help potentially you know integrate or well, we'll leave it up to the heart to decide <laughs> what we receive from from whatever's being open for us today mm. absolutely be happy to Just take a moment to bring the focus of your awareness to your heart. You're just gently tuning into the sense of I am. who and what it is that you experience yourself to be. And then just very gently on your sense of letting go of the and. The sense of there somehow mysteriously being something here that supports that letting go. Like the natural current of a river. Just the presence uh, mysteriously of this something is supporting that letting go. Within that and there's also the sense of all of this history, conditioning, Beliefs, attitudes, concepts, positions, ways of forming yourself within life, responding to life. It's just this gentle letting go. Now a letting go of the I. Once again, this mysterious presence that supports that.
the natural and gentle movement of a river flowing. Also call that divine flow. Some kind of letting go into your divine flow. There's a movement of awakening, a movement of healing, a movement of opening to what is here. With the eye, there's all of this sense of who you are within all of that history, that conditioning, with those attitudes, beliefs, opinions, positions. And there's an ownership of that, an attachment to all of that. Just in this moment, somehow, mysteriously, through grace, I'm letting go of that. Movement of opening into divine flow. I'm letting go of the am, letting go of the I. to what is before I am, what is not dependent upon I am to exist, yet is the source of I am. Just opening to that through your heart. And just sensing if even the tiniest further back. in your heart. I think what we could describe as being a divine friend. Within that thread, the mantra, Ah, ah is seen as the root or foundation of all mantras. So 
some seeds, the seed sound or seed syllable. The hunt, anahata, which means the unstruck note. Instruct note can also be seen as relating to silence, from out of which all sound arises. As unstruck, it can also be seen is relating to innocence. So within this divine front, the mantra ah syllable of the heart the root, the foundation of all mantras. Opening into innocence. Taking beauty. To the root of that which is at the heart of the language of light. R is the root of all sound, all mantras. R is the root seed syllable of the Krishna Paramita Sutra. Krishna Paramita being the mother of wisdom. The mother of all the kinis. So this presence of primordial divine wisdom and compassion within the heart, opening you to beauty and to innocence. Just receiving the blessing of that.
feeling that blessing radiating throughout the entirety of your whole being. All facets and dimensions or chambers of your heart. Magnifying the Dhamma. All positive qualities throughout the entirety of the field of your psyche. As that blessing comes into a focus of completion, simply offer gratitude. All the gift that has been given. All that's been shared and communicated over the course of this discussion. Attitude for how it has touched our heart. And how it may touch the heart of all beings. Gently bring the focus of awareness to the navel. Grounding, centering, stabilizing, integrating. Giving thanks. Thank you so much, Damien. That was beautiful. And oh, I think I went a little, little hmm. coming back, coming back. <laughs> Wonderful, yes, thank you, really appreciated. 
really value um, this conversation. I think a lot of people could learn some very beautiful um, wisdom from your heart. Just allowing that to just integrate and just feeling into the energy, into the field and just allowing the play and the joy and the beauty and the surrender. Mm. Um, is there any particular offerings that you would like to share? Um, People can find me from my website, which is awakeningheart.co.uk. I am currently in the process of reformatting it because I'm going to start teaching again probably in March time. At present, I'm more focused on the art and uh, doing sessions, which I will continue to do, but um, the primary focus of my work will change to teaching. And so uh, people, if they visit the site in the next sort of few weeks, they may see it in transition phase, as it were, uh, into that. But uh, yeah, all the information about my offerings can be found on the website. And uh, as I said, I do one-to-one -one sessions with people, so you're very welcome to contact me in relationship to that. And I also offer group sessions quite regularly, uh, usually at least once a month. And uh, they follow various different themes. So we might explore fear for a month, for example. Another month we may explore our relationship with sexuality or money, etc., etc. And then there's also the art, as I mentioned. And you're very welcome to explore that. Yeah. So I'm also, as we said, on your Instagram, there's a lot of my art on that. That is uh, Awakening Heart 11. Yeah. So and, uh, I'm also on Facebook, uh, just under my name, Damien Nola. Because yeah. um, do you still offer the groups, the Light Language Lounge? Are you still doing that? Yes. Yes, thank you for mentioning such. Um, so yes, myself and Susanna Mara and Denise Chadwick, um, who I don't know if you know also. Okay. Um, so they may likely also be on the podcast also, so you'll get to meet them as well. So uh, relatively regularly, uh, generally every week actually, um, we offer a free service event at 7.30 p.m. A UK time. And it's just an invitation for you to gather us with us in the exploration of the language of light. Mm -hmm. And really it's presence-based. So as we've been discussing, it's based in this focus of what it is to approach the language of light or authentic heart expression from this place of play. Mm -hmm. And so we don't have any fixed agenda or any fixed idea of what the language of light is. We just come, we show up, we connect through a brief meditation, just dropping us into that space of heart. And it's a, just a very beautiful, heart's playful exploration of 
wanted us to really deepen in that expression of our essence. And uh, as we were saying, really how that touches practically upon our uh, experience of day-to-day -day life here. And then sometimes there's also space for questions and answers and the discussion around night language as well. And, uh, and it's, as I said, it's a free service event, so you're free just to show up. Mm, yeah. and, uh, details of that are posted uh, on my Facebook page. There's also a night language lounge page on Facebook as well. But if you're interested in that, you can you know, just get in touch with me and I can point you in the right direction toward that. Thank you for mentioning such. It had completely up my mind. Well, I think we're that wherever you, you know, that beautiful transmission, you, you know, you took us. Um, it felt a shame even to sort of then go into asking all these different um, things. But, you know, we're on a podcast and it's really good to just get a really nice feel of Damien's, you know, frequency. He's just emitting and, and being in service in this way. And so now you have the options to explore this even further yourselves and, you know, what divine offerings they are. Really beautiful. We're really grateful. So thank you, everybody. I'm going to put all of the information um, under this podcast so you'll be able to reach out and and, and this has been a really beautiful experience for, for myself and I'm sure everybody here and and honestly if anybody wants to speak and reach out uh, about anything that's come up during this particular episode you know you can reach out to either one of us and we'll be happy to, to speak further I'm sure um, yeah cool all right then so yeah sending you all loads of love and we'll see you in the next episode thank you and goodbye <laughs>